Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. This morning, we are resuming our study in the book of Job and wrestling with the difficult question, why do the godly suffer? We're going to be looking at chapters 29, 30, and 31 this morning. Here's kind of what's going on. Well, let me just say this first. We talked last week, we were going through our study in Exodus, and we mentioned how the Israelites kind of had a spiritual amnesia. And they started to kind of romanticize their life in Egypt, the comforts that they enjoyed in Egypt. Something I've noticed about uh, people who are depressed, and not just observing other people, but even uh, if I, even examining my own heart and mind at times, what we tend to do is cling to some time in the past, the last time we remember being happy, or remember having hope, and we kind of really glorify that period of time, or the location where we were, or the person we were with, and we romanticize that whole thing because right now we just feel miserable and without hope, and this, this trial seems like it's never going to end, and I wish I could just be back where I was at such and such a time or such and such a place. Job's getting ready to do something similar. Chapter 29, Job's going to talk about his glorious past, his former comforts, his relationship with God, how it was better, uh, how honor was paid to him. And then chapter 30, he talks about his present state of humiliation. So he's got a glorious past. Now he's in this present state of humiliation. And then we'll see his final assertion in chapter 31, where he's going to declare his integrity, his uprightness. And uh, so that's where we are this morning. And then uh, when we resume this study, We'll start beginning this conversation with Elihu. This uh, should speak to us this morning. And so open up your hearts and let's let the word of God do its work. I'm reading from the King James Bible. Let's start with chapter 29 as Job recounts how things used to be before he found himself in this terrible predicament. Job chapter 29, King James Bible. Moreover, Job continued his parable and said, Oh, that I were in months past, as in the days when God preserved me, when his candle shined upon my head, and when by his light I walked through darkness. As I was in the days of my youth when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle. When the Almighty was yet with me. When my children were about me. 
when I washed my steps with butter and the rock poured me out rivers of oil. When I went out through the, to the gate, through the city, when I prepared my seat in the street, the young men saw me and hid themselves, and the aged arose and stood up. The princes refrained talking and laid their hand on their mouth. The nobles held their peace and their tongue cleaved to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard me, then it blessed me, and when the eye saw me, it gave witness to me. Because I delivered the poor that cried, and the fatherless, and him that had none to help. The blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the poor, and the cause which I knew not I searched out. And I break the jaws of the wicked and pluck the spoil out of his teeth. Then I said, I shall die in my nest, and I shall multiply the days of the sand. My root was spread out by the waters, and the dew lay all night upon my branch. My glory was fresh in me, my bow was renewed in my hand. Unto me men gave their ear, and waited, and kept silent at my counsel. After my words they spake not again, and my speech dropped upon them. And they waited for me as the rain, and opened their mouth wide as for the latter rain. If I laughed on them, they believed it not, and the light of my countenance they cast not down. I chose out their way, and sat chief, and dwelt as a king, and the army as one that comforteth the mourners. So there we have chapter 9, 29. As Job recounts his past, how glorious it was, how he got respect from the people, how he did all these wonderful things is to earn the respect of the people, uh, taking care of the poor and the widow and so forth. Now chapter 30, he's going to reflect on his current state of misery, his present state of humiliation. Let's begin. Chapter 30. But now, they are younger than I have me in derision. They that are younger than I have me in derision, whose father I would have disdained to have set with the dogs of my flock. Yea, whereto might the strength of their hand profit me, in whom old age was perished? For want and famine they were solitary, fleeing into the wilderness in former time, desolate and waste. Who cut, a pot, who cut up the mallows by the bushes and juniper roots for their meat. They were driven forth from among men. They cried after them as, as after, after a thief. To dwell in the cliffs of the valley, in the caves of the earth and in the rocks. Among the bushes they brayed under the needles, they were gathered together. They were children of fools, yea, children of base men. They were viler than the earth. And now am I their song, yea, I am their byword. They abhor me. 
they flee far from me, and spare not to spit in my face. Because he hath loosed my cord and afflicted me, they have also let loose the bridle before me. Upon my right hand rise the youth, they push away my feet, they raise up against me the ways of their destruction. They mar my path, they set forward my calamity, they have no helper. They come upon me as a wide breaking in of waters. In the desolation they rolled themselves upon me. Terrors are turned upon me. They pursue my soul as the wind. And my welfare passes away as a cloud. And now my soul is poured out upon me. The days of affliction have taken hold upon me. My bones are pierced in me the night season and my sinews take no rest. By the great force of my disease is my garment changed. It bindeth me about as the color of my coat. He hath cast me into the mire, and I am become like dust and ashes. I cry unto thee, thou dost not hear me. I stand up, and thou regardest me not. Thou art become cruel to me with thy strong hand. Thou opposes thyself against me. Thou lifteth me up to the wind. Thou causes me to ride upon it and dissolveth my substance. For I know that thou wilt bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. Howbeit he will not stretch out his hand to the grave, though they cry, in his destruction. Did I not weep for him that was in trouble? Was not my soul greed for the poor? When I looked for good, then evil came unto me, and when I waited for light, there came darkness. My bowels boiled and rested not. The days of affliction prevented me. I went mourning without the sun. I stood up, and I cried in the congregation. I am a brother to dragons and a companion to owls. My skin is black upon me, and my bones are burned without heat. My heart also is turned to mourning, and my organ into the voice of them that weep. So there's chapter 30. As Job describes his present state of humiliation. Now chapter 31 is really Job's final appeal. And he's going to kind of reassert his integrity. And there's some areas here where we could stand to be more like Job. Just starting with this first verse. This this first verse should really speak to men specifically, but really to men and women in our culture today. Let me just read the first verse of chapter 31 and then I've got a little bit of commentary from Matthew or from actually from F.B. Meyer this morning chapter 31 Job says this very first verse as he talks about his integrity verse 1 I made a covenant with mine eyes why then should I think upon a maid 
I want to just give you a, a couple more uh, renditions of this. I like the King James Version of that statement, but it could be lost on some people what he's actually talking about here. He says, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Or uh, you could say dwell upon a virgin. Uh, You could say, some translations will say, why should I lust after a girl? Or I shall not lust after a girl. Um, Actually, let me just pull up. Sorry, I should have had this pulled up to begin with. Uh, The complete Jewish Bible, as an example, says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to let them lust after any girl. And I think that makes... That uh, translation there is just the most clear. They're all saying the same thing, but that is the most clear. I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why should I think upon a maid? Or I made a covenant with my eyes that I should not lust after a girl. And that word there that's used as think or sometimes translated as lust, it really means to just to, to understand, to know with the mind, or to observe. It's it's this idea of dwelling. And really what lust is, in my opinion, according to what I believe the scriptures teach, is it's a, it's a form of covetousness. It's desiring or wanting to obtain something that doesn't belong to you. So Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to think. I'm not even going to take the time to have thoughts about a maid, about a virgin, about a girl. We're going to talk maybe more about this in a, in a video coming up, but it's just something that we need to really take heart in our day and age where sexual immorality and the temptation of that is around every corner, on every billboard, on every screen, everywhere you go because of what is deemed appropriate for dress nowadays. And it's just, it's a very, very difficult thing. And the reason why I said this is a verse not just for men, but for women also, is because we also happen to live in a world and a culture where in previous times, things like pornography were consumed predominantly by men, but now there's almost as many women statistically involved in watching those things and and being entertained by that stuff as men. So nowadays, it's a passage for both men and women. I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? The, the psalmist David says, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and reneweth in me an upright spirit. It's this, first of all, it's this acknowledgement that this, this is an issue, and I'm going to take it very seriously. I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid? F.B. Meyer says this. Job had specifically guarded against impurity. For its heritage is one of calamity and disaster. He is sure that even if he were weighed by God himself, there would be no iniquity discovered in him. 
He even goes to as far as to invoke the most awful results of if he has sinned against the seventh commandment. It is well for us, if we are able with similar sincerity to appeal to the verdict of God of our own heart, let us ask the Holy Spirit to begotten us a begotten us purity and separation from sin, that we may walk in unsoiled garments. Oh, that our attitude could be like Job's. That we could say, I've set out with intention. I'm not going to do that thing. I'm not even going to entertain it in my mind. Now let's read Job's final appeal. I made a covenant with my eyes, verse 1. Why then should I think upon a maid? For what portion of God is there from above, and what inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is not destruction to the wicked, and a strange punishment to the workers of iniquity? Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? Please note Job's saying, can he really hide anything from God? He sees everything you do, and he counts all my steps. Like he knows every intent of my heart, everything I do. Verse 5, if I have walked with vanity, or if my foot hath hastened to the seat, let me be weighed in an even balance, that God may know my integrity. If my steps have turned out of the way, and my heart walked after my mine eyes, and if any blot hath cleaved to my hands, then let me sow, and let another eat, yea, let my offspring be rooted out. If my heart hath been deceived by a woman, or if I have laid wait at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind into another, and let another bow down upon her. For this is a heinous crime. Yea, it is iniquity to be punished by the judges. Please note, Job is taking that very seriously, isn't he? This idea of lusting after another woman or uh, coveting his neighbors. He's saying, if I've done something like this, then let my wife grind into another. That's t- it's, a, it's a term talking about the mill. Like, let her serve another person. But he's saying, I've never done this. For this is a heinous crime. Yea, it is iniquity to be punished by the judges, for it is a fire that consumeth to destruction, and would root out all my increase. If I did despise the cause of my manservant or of my maidservant, when they contended with me, what then shall I do when God rises up? And when he visits, what shall I answer him? Did not he that made me in the womb make him? And did not one fashion us in the womb? Now Job's speaking to how he treats other people. And he's saying, God formed us both in our mother's wombs. So I should treat that other human being with dignity and respect because God made us both. Verse 16, if I have withheld from the poor from their desire or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail or have eaten my morsel myself alone 
and the fatherless hath not eaten thereof from my mouth from my youth when I was brought up with me. As with a father, I have guided her from my mother's womb. If I have seen any perish for want of clothing or any poor without covering, if his loins have been blessed me, if his loins have not blessed me, and if he were not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted up my hand against the fatherless, when I saw my help in the gate, then let my arm fall from my shoulder blade and my arm be broken from the bone. What's Job getting at? He's saying, I've never ignored those in need. I've never seen someone in need and ignored that need. And if I have, then let my arm be ripped off. Verse 23. For destruction from God was terror to me, and by reason of his highness I could not endure. If I have made gold my hope, or I have said to the fine gold, Thou art my confidence. If I have rejoiced because my wealth was great, and because my hand had gotten much, if I beheld the sun when it shined, or the moon walking in brightness, and my heart hath not secretly enticed, or my mouth hath kissed my hand, this also were an iniquity to be punished by the judge, for I should have denied the God that was above. If I rejoiced at the destruction of him that hated me, or lifted up myself when evil found him, neither have I suffered my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to his soul. That's interesting. Job even knew that it was wrong to wish evil on those that hate you. What did Jesus say? Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, right? Job's saying, I have never rejoiced at the destruction of the person that hates me or wished him to suffer a curse. Verse 31, If men of my tabernacle said not, Oh, that we had his flesh, we cannot be satisfied. The stranger did not lodge in the street, but I opened my doors to travelers. If I covered my transgressions as Adam by hiding my iniquity in my bosom, did I fear a great multitude? Or did the concept of families terrify me, that I kept silence and went out of the door and went not out the door? Oh, that one would hear me. Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me, and my adversary had written a book. Surely I would take it upon my shoulder and bind it as a crown to me. What's Job saying? He's saying, I just wish I had some answers. All these terrible things have happened. Even if, I had, even if the enemy wrote a book, I, at least I could read that and kind of know what's happening. I wish that God would answer me, that the Almighty would explain this to me. That's, that's, what's, that's what he's saying. He's saying if that would happen, I surely I would take it upon my shoulder and bind it as a crown to me. Verse 37, I would declare unto him the number of my steps as a prince would I go near unto him. Three more verses. Verse 38, and if my 
land cry against me, or that the fewers likewise there complain. If I have eaten the fruits thereof without money, or have caused the owners thereof to lose their life, let thistles grow instead of wheat, and cockle instead of barley. The words of Job are ended. And that, my friends, is the end of our study this morning. That is the end of Job's final appeal. I pray that this is spoken to you this morning. I pray that we could all be like Job in this aspect. That we would take guarding against impurity and iniquity with the utmost seriousness. Christians today are too casual in their attitude towards sin. Not understanding that it's causing you to miss out on blessing. It separates you from God. Let me read that sentence from F.B. Meyer one last time. It is well for us if we are able with similar sincerity to appeal to the verdict of God of our own heart. Let us ask the Holy Spirit to begat in us purity and separate us from sin that we may walk with unsoiled garments. Thanks for listening, my friends. I pray you've been blessed. Thank you to those of you who pray. Thank you to those of you who support this mission of truth and make all this possible. Patreon subscribers and those who donate by mail and PayPal couldn't do this without you. That's all I have for you this morning. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.